0: This week's rugby story is a fellow who grew up in St Helens, but is an adopted Widnesian. He grew up playing football and really enjoyed it, but a call up to the school rugby team opened the door he'd never known about. Saints come calling, and few can refuse that. Progressing through their academy while studying at uni, a move to witness Vikings materialised, and he played various roles within his time. He's someone players, staff and fans think the world of. He's got so much to offer, and he's a real gent. Ladies and gents, Mr Tim Holmes. Red Sherlock's 1-17 to 17 was Dave Peachy at full-back, Paul Devlin and Chris Giles on the wings, Gary Connolly and Adam Hughes in the centres, Jules O'Neill at 6, Stephen Myler at 7, Julian O'Neill at prop with Teddy O'Connor, the hooker is split between Smith and Millard, in the second row it's Stankovic and Mick Cassidy, and at 13 is Daniel Frame. Tim's bench would be Andy Hay, Gary Hulse, Barry McDermott and Fartalogo. Follow, like, share, subscribe and endorse us via Facebook, Trot the Eggin', Twitter, at TrotTheEggIn slash at John Heth, Instagram, Trot underscore D underscore egg underscore in, YouTube, TrotTheEggIn, LinkedIn, John Hetherington and Spotify, TrotTheEggIn. So, Tim, how have you and the family been? We've been good.
1: We've we've been good. We've uh having a, a six year old and a three year old in the house, life is is fairly um ad hoc, shall we say. You just take every day as it comes, but mate, we're good, we're buzzing. Um my wife's just got a new job, so she's flying, so yeah, we're in a we're in a good spot.
0: Wow, well, mate, and before we get stuck into your rugby story then, Tim, where was home for you and who lived at home with you?
1: Uh during rugby you mean? During rugby it was from a
0: kid, mate, as a kid?
1: Just from a kid, it was St Helens. Was it? Um it was St Helens with me my mum and dad and my sister. Um growing up in a in a very football family, really. Um my dad played football all his life and still is at the grand old age of I don't know how old he is now, but too old to be playing football, that's that's for sure. Um so yeah, it was all it was always football. Um and St Helen's born and bred. Although now I think, even if you you know you talk to anyone, even my family, I think they think I'm from Witness anyway. <laughs> yeah, you're
0: then, mate. There's no going back, is there?
1: Oh yeah. Once you're in, you, once you're in,
0: you, that's it. You you yeah. you're caught black and white in the blood. <laughs> so where did that competitive edge come from, mate? Did you get it with your sister, or was it with your dad?
1: Um, it, I, it was probably with my dad. Yeah. Um, and it was probably yeah, it was probably from my dad. Football wise, so this sounds, sounds silly, but you will. I feel like you'll you can support me on this one. I think it's been ginger as well. I think <laughs> because I'm growing up, like me mate. Oh, I love that. I wish I'd have known that at school because that had got me out of a ton of shit. Mine was always strawberry yeah. blonde.
2: Yeah, um, you wouldn't believe
1: it did. to see it now, but I was Ging. right, and kids are kids and yeah. it, it was like I think that was just my way of as an even really young kid of like getting some status within the group do you know what I mean like yeah. I, th- I think it, you know it sounds stupid don't it but like that was oh I, I'm already behind the eight ball because I'm a ginger gotta yeah. gotta get myself into the popular group and I think <laughs> it, I think to some extent it came from that and then obviously you just thrive don't you and you start getting known within school and you get seen with the popular kids and it's all down to your sport and you just keep doing it. I think that's probably where it came from. um. Right. But it is, I think it is in the family. I think yeah. if you talk to my sister and you talk to particularly my cousins, they will all say, oh, yeah, you've, you've got that gene. You've got that competitive gene. It's just just one of them things.
0: Right, mate. And, and how did rugby become a part of your life? And where was
1: so, the first book so I, I didn't play amateur. I didn't play amateur. Oh, right, rugby. Okay. I, um, I was literally asked to play at school, at yeah. high school. Um, they were like, they were short, <laughs> they, and it right. was one of them. Like, you're right, footy. Do you reckon you can come and stand on the wing for us for a bit? Yeah. Yeah. And then, as high school games happen, people get hurt, and I didn't know what I was doing. So I ended up in the middle of the field, and. Unbeknown to me, there was a St. scout there watching the game who spoke to the teacher after the game and said, like, I've not seen that lad before, which <laughs> like no one has because I've never played a game before. <laughs> um can can you ask him if he'll come down um and like try out for the what was like the town team then?
2: Yeah.
1: Um so I went and did that and kind of just then stayed within the ranks, got took on into the like the uh, academy system, what it was then, um, progressed through. And it was at the point of progressing up to, and this really is showing my age, up to the Alliance system. Oh, yeah. It was, which was like the old school, like under 21s. Yeah. It was at that point that um, basically you had to be training three, four, five times a night. And I was coming up to going away to, or I had an offer to go away to university. I think the reality of the situation was I wasn't good enough anyway to go into the oh. alliance squad. Um, I played with uh, like John Sims, uh, Dave Fash, Steve Miler, um, and I. I wasn't probably good enough to make that step, but it was um, it was uh, Dave Lyon at the time, the coach, who yeah. put it really politely and basically said, "Look." you're going away to university, if you're going away to university, I can't justify you with a contract because you won't be here. And it was put like that. And I went to university. Now, I went away and within a few weeks, John Myler had just set up or was starting, got involved within the Witness uh, Academy set up and basically rang me and said, look, I'm getting involved here. I've got some lads here. I know you're from St. Ellen's. If I send you your training programs up to uni, I trust that you'll do them because I know you as a player, and come back at the weekend for me and play. And that's what I did. Right. Um, and loved it, loved it. He let me play a little bit of student rugby league. Um, so I um could I went and toured Australia with them. Brilliant. Um, and captained them, doing that. Um, had a great time, uh, and then came to. Kind of the last week of exams. Honestly, and when I tell this story, people think it's like I've you know, like I'm bullshitting a little bit or I've added a bit, and but it genuinely wasn't. Last week of exams, morning of my last exam, I get a phone call off job. Uh actually look, I what are you what are you up to, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I've got my exam this afternoon, and then I'm I'm, I'm out on the razz, like I'm I'm living yeah. it up. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't really want to be telling you, but that's what I'm doing. And he was like, yeah. "No, you're not. Finish your exam, get back here because you're training with the first team tomorrow, and you're making your debut at Salford on 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 Sky at the weekend." Yeah. And that was it. I was like, "Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll do that." So, and that 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 was how that that was it.
0: Right. Well, I won't lie, mate. I've got the array of questions just out of that little. So Go for what? town team system and service early, and it was when it, like a yes. little bit after you won it, mate. Once sound team thing, is that a system you'd like to see come back? Because I know it's 100%. in place, Tim, and it it's, it's worthy play internally. But I, I still think Saints, Waddington Wigan, Oldham's, they'd all be more than happy. Wouldn't need to have a 12, 13, 14, 15 16s competing. Is that something you'd like so. to see back?
1: I, I, I think so. I, I mean, the. The experience of traveling and playing lads from different areas you can't beat. and I know they get that to some extent on the you know within the Sunday League game, but yeah. the the standard that it, it picks you up to is it, phenomenal and there is that sense from a very early age of like representing your town yeah. um that again is the kind of the the morals and the standards. Being ingrained from early on. Now, I do understand about not specialising kids too early. So, I, you know, I do see that argument. But I don't see any harm in kind of doing it almost festival style or or whatever, you, you know, one or two games. You pick them, you pick the best from an area, you go and do a couple of standalone festivals, town festivals yeah. and 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 instill it that way because I, I, I like I got tons from it particularly because I hadn't played an amateur background it kind yeah. of sped me up obviously but just like it's silly but like the prestige of it and and I do think there's something to be said about picking lads and letting yeah. them know like at the minute you're doing really well and you're going to represent your town because of that that doesn't mean you're going to be in any system to be fast-tracked up to be a professional. That means this year, on this day, you're representing your town because that yeah. will stay with the kid forever. Like, you'll know, yeah, like the does. lads we were talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. before, like, yeah. um, I trained, uh, not not very recently because of my neck, but down at CrossFit Faction in Witness. Yeah. and and the head coach there, Dan Connolly, like... Yeah. He, You start talking about rugby and he will always go back to oh, when I played town team and when I did that. Like, it's mad, like, you know, the straight away, back there,
0: aren't right. Yeah, and it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah, I love it. No, I'm the same, mate. When I bump into the lads we mentioned before and that, and, and others we've not mentioned, like Roger comes up because yeah. of, of how dominant he was at that time and the, the, the discipline that Ian still the running up St. Mike's yeah. golf, all town team memories, really. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm in my mid 30s, and it's still something you talk about. And you were 11 and 12, like, and if it, you're
1: talking about it, how yeah. much of it has dictated the way you are as a person and, and the standards that you live as a person, you know what I mean? Like, you subconsciously
0: and all that, yeah, yeah. Another thing, then, mate, leadership is that something you'd ever like been around. Did you, do you think you're born with that or can you develop that as well?
1: Um, I think you can develop it. Yeah. Um, Had I been around it, I, I've i got, I've got personally got a big belief in that like a lot of people talk a very good game. Not very few follow it through. And so I think leadership is one of those things that actually you just demonstrate and you just do by having your standards and then you realize other people follow you and, and, and go with yeah. you. When I was, I mean, kind of briefly mentioned him, but like John Myler for me was, and I've mentioned him on, on other places and other things like he was the one that instilled that leadership in me. Now he was firm and he had, it was his way, yeah. but he would always follow his way as well. He was never late for training ever. Yeah. he was always clinical with everything he delivered and and it and it bred then through the team to the point that i don't think there was ever one team within like particularly within that St Helens setup and then within the Widnes setup that there wasn't ever like one leader we were like
0: a gang of if yeah. if you
1: got given a shirt you knew you had to represent and be a leader for everyone else on the field and that that was kind of the way it was um yeah. So yeah, and it's funny, like leadership is one of those for me, like it's, um, I think when you say leadership, you always think of one person being a top dog and you, you know, if it's in within a business, you think it's the the owner of the business. I would like to think anyone I've worked with has felt that I was a leader for them, but I've never been a top dog, do you know what I mean? But hopefully I've the way I've kind of managed myself playing and training and being meticulous there and then going into like all the other roles I did with Inwardness, even down to the kit, man. Like it was it, it was meticulous and it was done and people were seeing all that. If I'm ever in a position like that where I have to get a kit ready for a team, I'll always do it the way Sherlock did it because yeah, that was yeah. the way to do it. So, yeah, that that's my... That's what I would like to think. Whether that's true is another question. But that's what I'd like
0: to think. It's a collective. It's a collective, like uh, buy-in, mate, isn't it? it? It's a key, key buy-in. Like the, yeah. if there is a top dog, he doesn't work without his generals. Who they don't work without the disciples. did he, like everybody's got a role to play. It's just whether you're, like, you're or you're, you're a performer, isn't it? That's it. it it's a. That's dog it. That's it.
1: Mate. And, like there was always a top dog in the team. As in, like, the alpha player and the most talented player and all of that, of which I was never. But we all... There, there wasn't that that hierarchy. It was like, you you will all do your job to the best of your ability. Some worse than others, but you would all do it. And <laughs> everyone you knew that you that were that doing lot. it.
0: Yeah. 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 yeah, so,
1: yeah.
0: And you think not coming up, not being brought up with the game from such an early age and being exposed probably mid-teens would you say Tim yeah yeah Yeah. It's that benefited you? so even later so really you didn't have like it's not a worry so I so I growing up lads and no all other lads they, from other teams you don't think I have to be worried and you had a free licence to express yourself not knowing if number 8 was going to whack you or number yeah. 2 was going to tap you does that make but, sense so and I've
1: yeah I've got a funny story about this actually so I've And still to this day, and it gets ever more prominent the more bald I get. I've got a massive, uh, a fairly big scar on the back of my head from one of the first couple of games I played for the town team against Mm -hmm. this Leeds team. And we've gone, and all on the bus leading up to it, the other lads are name dropping these players and talking about, oh, we need to watch for him, and we need to do this, we need to do this. Anyway. I've It's it, it completely going over my head. I've got I ain't got a clue. I'm more like shit, like you know, shitting myself. That oh no, oh no, I'm gonna play a game. I'm gonna uh, all of that jazz, whatever. <laughs> anyway, within the first twenty minutes, I take this ball in. I run straight at my opposite number in the center. He picks me up, slams me. I come up, my head's bleeding, everywhere. I've got to come off the field. Ed gets stitched go back on after the game and like everyone said like fair play I can't believe you did that good on you after the game they all come up to me and go why was your first carry at Chev Walker (laughs) he's the biggest name in the game at our age and you ran straight at him I was like someone could have given me a tip up at some point (laughs) because before I did it it was no wonder he royally abused me um (laughs) but so yeah like kind of going on what you said yes it did kind of take away some of that the fear factor a little bit but it could have probably saved me a few wounds as well along <laughs> the way but um yeah. but yeah and i also think that I, I kind of i would like to think again that i saw the game differently um because i looked at it from a footballer point yeah. of view so um yeah i could I, space and things were very apparent to me and there was a big learning curve you know, like the first time you put your foot on a ball when it's on the tackle and everyone goes, what are you doing? (laughs) But you know, it allows you to explore doesn't it?
0: Um, And you're coming in at that time as well aren't you? You're fresh, you're you're raw like you are seeing what you can do aren't you?
1: That's it, that's it and that was the beauty of like that age that lads were you know you could play and 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 have a go and work out what was wrong and what was right it was and that that back to that system that town team system because you were always a a decent caliber at training and things you could get a good gauge of what you could do but then I mentioned there like when I then went back to play uni like, people would think there was... uh So when I went away, I went with uh, Jermaine Coleman and Matty Blaymeyer, uh Richie Barnett. They were all in that same squad that went. And we were like... We were walking on water against these other students. Do you know what I mean? Because, like, the standard that we were playing at every week, we then went and it's like, you know, you just go step down a level. It was like all this space... All these these trick kick plays and mate, I loved it because learning ground. Then you were allowed to use that flair a little bit, and then oh well, I can actually pull that off consistently at this level. I'll when I go back, I can I can try that. So
0: yeah, it was good. I know we'll go back a little bit again, mate. If that's all right, and how was school for young Tim and and what what were your interests and that at school? Uh, my
1: interests at school were football and football and football. So uh, I, I I'm I'm a Scouser. I'm a Liverpool. Oh, yeah. Um, I, yeah, it, so, and it's not to say, like, I was all right at school as well. I did, you know, I did okay at school, but it, I just never wanted to be there. I, I, I would regularly be trying to get out of going. Would we... Uh, so I lived in St Helens and went to school in Rainford. So obviously I had to catch the bus every morning. My mate that I would always catch the bus with lived at the very top of the road. We consistently ended up walking from St Helens to Rainford because we pretended we'd missed the bus just yeah. to walk for two and a half hours to get there. Like it, it we just, I just didn't, I just didn't enjoy school yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, it, but then, when we're kind of getting into the high school and the sports kind of kicking that, you know that helped me massively. But all of my friends were uh, you know were the sport orientated group. The group that I'm still very friendly with now are all the lads that played the sport. Um, yeah, it just it you know it floats some people's boats and it doesn't others, and it it just it just didn't mind. I just didn't want to be there. I'd rather be on a field with a ball.
0: It's more social than Tim, yeah, mate. Just a chance to see mates and that in it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, even you know, even the social side of it, I didn't want to go. I hated yeah. it. Like I hated school with a passion. Like it'd be like, Yeah, I know my mate to go in and yeah, it'll be nice to see him, but I don't want to go. Someday. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's it. Like I don't want to go, and I know that they'll come training tonight. So I'll see him when I get there. Like it was like it, it's bad, um, and I don't know where that came from. To be fair, I just, I think, yeah, I just, I just love playing sport. I love being around sport. I love the banter of sport, and you know the crack that lads have, and you can't do that in school, can you?
0: It's oh, not quite. Man, <laughs> so. You know the characteristics of Aaron from previous guests, which I mentioned a few names to you. It's like like likes of Gil, likes of a big Phil Joseph and people like that, mate. Where did them attributes from yours come from then? If they weren't developed at school and you had like a small, immediate family at home, because you were curing, you went out your way for people, not just the players, but families. You like everybody's go-to. You you were like curing is the key word, mate. And and you facilitated as much as you could for the domestic and the foreign players, and I'm sure we'll touch on it later, but where does where does this side of team come from if you would be I, up them to mix at school and stuff?
1: Yeah, I think it, it's the, the team environment. I mean, when you're in a a team sport, you need everyone else to, to thrive, don't you, and succeed. Yeah. And I would, you know, I always... We would always stay behind after training and help lads. And I'm talking now, like when I'm back in my football days, you'd always stay behind and help. Where did that that I don't know that care inside come from? I, I I can only think family. Um, from an from an early age, but I I don't know. It's just always been there. If and I think it's more like a. Uh, like a problem solving kind of aspect. If someone comes to me and says, mate, I'm in trouble.
2: Yeah.
1: I'm like, my head's gone. Like, I'm like, right, let's play out all these options here and let's see how we can get you through this and sort it out. I think it, it's that I buzz off that. Like, problem there's solving. a problem. We've got to solve it. And now actually the guy that I've helped solve it is, its you know, is is thriving and buzzing and and kicking on now, and he's happy. And I I think it, it it's that that buzz of helping someone that I get where it comes from. I don't know, um, but I also have a big. I mean, you said about overseas players and and domestic players, etc. My my big thing was that everyone's an equal as well. So, yeah. as much as, um some of the, the the Australians and New Zealanders, et cetera, may have got the big money. When you come in in the way I deal with you, I'm not going to deal with you any different than I do the 15-year-old that's just stepped up into the first team and just got his shot. Yeah. But then on the flip side, we also need to understand, like, um, you you remember Corey Thompson. Yeah. The first, so Corey Thompson came over here, and he won't mind me telling you this story because I've told it many a time, just not publicly. Um, he came over when it was the, like the dead of winter, so we'd managed to get him a car, managed to get his house sorted. Flying, I get a call this one morning, Sherlock, you're gonna have to help me. What's up, mate? Well, I can't drive my car. Why, Corey? What's up? Well, I can't see out the window. I was like, "Yeah, it's iced up. <laughs> yeah, what do I do?" Well, I you've like, never you've, you've got to, you've got to defrost your car. He was like Sherlock. I've never seen ice before. What do I do? How do I get my car ready? I've got to be at training in half an hour. So it's like having to. So you've got. I so you know. Yes, you deal with everyone the same, but then next time another Australian comes over here for the first time, and it's the first cold winter morning. I'll be on the phone at half six to him saying, mate, have you been outside and checked your car? Do you know what you you do to get it going? And it sounds silly and people used to call it like, uh, like why are you spoon feeding and hand holding the players? It wasn't that. It never was that. It was, you only know what you know. And if you've never experienced something, it's a culture shock. And when you're over here for the first time, that's a silly question. And you probably know it's a silly question. To ask someone, so you probably don't ask it. So at that point, you then pour boiling water on your windscreen, you crack your windscreen. And whereas if someone's already preempting it and coming forward with the information, it's like, oh my God, that's a godsend. I didn't know. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, and that's the same, you know, international, domestic players. But it, that buzz back to where we were, I know I went off on a tangent there, but that buzz of like helping them and knowing that I'd done something that they actually genuinely benefited from and appreciated was the buzz but I'd, you know where that was instilled from I don't know
0: to introduce him to tracky bottom 10 instead of the flip-flops the show, mate <laughs> oh mate trying what to a sign mean, that was he... as well you know oh. what a song,
1: oh yeah he was he was special he was, yeah, he was special one, and then kicked on when he went back to Oz didn't he he went to West West I think he went didn't he and kicked on there like yeah yeah,
0: oh yeah, he was mega, an absolute. Yeah, sorry. So that, so like that, that story there. Uh, it's funny in it because it's just bizarre to us. But he could have been panicking, getting a little bit anxious about it. And it, like you said, it's it's a new club. He wants to probably set a precedent, don't he? And he he's flapping, but it's it's the difference you've made to him in it. It's not. Yeah. It's not. A, It's huge, because I know you used to go and do some people shopping, mate, didn't you? And stuff like that. It's like, it's the difference it makes. What we deem everyday life was a massive problem in that 10 minutes to Corey. That's it. Yeah, when it's the unknown, mate, it's frightening. It is.
1: And, you know, we, uh, because the other one that stands out to me, and I know the story and the path didn't end well at all, but Anthony Watts, when he first came over, uh, we were actually away. Uh, I think we were in Cumbria, it, but we'd gone away pre season somewhere and we'd gone overnight. And it had just so happened, I think his flight had got delayed, which had meant he, you know, no one was around at the club. So I can't remember who it was that actually went, but we got one of the like supporters who was like, did a lot at the club to go and pick him up and then go and drop him off at his flat in the middle of Runcorn. All the debt. So yeah, so they went and picked him, picked him up from Manchester Airport, took him to the decks, dropped him off there, and then said, Right, like and I'm not knocking anyone that's done this, by the way. This I'm yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah. kind of building a picture. Right, there you go. Uh what up? Locked. Like uh, this is yeah. what I've been told to do. I've left you here now. See you later. We were away.
2: Yeah.
1: And I, I'd like I was going out of my mind, like I've got this lad that's come over from Australia and had come over in a bit of a cloud anyway yeah. and he's just been dropped off at the decks in the middle of the run, all, all on his own Yeah, with so a mini I'm like, I'm ringing there. him by the <laughs> minute trying to get hold of him, anyway uh, I spoke to him during the night, we spoke to him the next morning and I was like right mate I'm going to I'm coming back. we're on our way back from Cumbria now I'm going to come straight round, I'll get you your training kit and then I'll get you into the club and I'll do your introduction and as I'm about to put the phone down, he goes, mate, how good is this place? I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? He was like, oh, mate, I went out around Runcorn last night and all the locals were helping me out. I was like, oh, my word. <laughs> oh, no. And he, he yeah, took himself out into every pub in Runcorn and got free drinks all night, just on his name. But, yeah, it, it's funny how, how you deal with it. But you you're right, these lads come over... They might get paid mega money, but they've never been onto this side of the world, yeah. And so it's it's very different as it would yeah. be for us going over there. Do you know what exactly. I mean? So, um yeah, I did. I would always try and think ahead as to mainly because I'm a bit of a worrier as well. So I like if I'm in Corey Thompson's shoes going out to McCarr and it's iced, I'm panicking. I'm not ringing anyone, but I would love if someone actually rang me and preempted it and tried to solve it first. And that's what I always tried to do. Best I could, jump ahead of the bus.
0: No, it isn't well, smart, isn't it? But, so it? And if they have been here, mate, they've been, to, they've been on tour, which is fetch me, carry me, provide. Everything's done and agendered and routine, There's not it? Times are set, be here for that. Brekkie's here, dinner's the You get two hours to go and do something. But a lot of them don't, they? because they don't really know the area. They'll stay pretty immediate to wherever they're staying won't they? So yeah. yeah. So
1: and uh, that's a skill that I think that don't get taught on the other side. Very like the military lads don't. Yeah. You live a life that's regimented, you turn up for eight o'clock, you're fed, you go out on the training field, you get your training kit, you get your then you get your dinner, then you get this, then you get told you're in a workshop in the afternoon. And then after that you then go for a you know, coffee or feed with the lads. Then you go back, you sleep and you get up and you're told what to do. When that sport's not there, it's unreal. Like we all know what happened with our lives with COVID when, you know, your work schedule got thrown out the window and you were just told you were working from home and suddenly the house was upside down, work was appalling. And because you didn't have that regimented life structure, these players are going out of sport into the big wide world and having to almost fend for themselves and I do say it and I know it sounds melodramatic but it's it that simple skill is so difficult to teach someone that's always been told where to go and where to be and what to do and it and it it is something that I think sport in general could get better at
0: yeah that's why content is pointing current players into transitioning earlier, isn't it? Which I was gonna say, like you're doing the the un unknown, undervalued stuff from people that don't know that now social media could do half the job for you. It weren't about them, mate, was it? Or oh, it weren't as prominent content weren't as uh behind the scenes and real as it is now? No, no, and
1: it wasn't as accessible. Like everything now is his Google or YouTube isn't it? Like um I I remember like there's so many stories like lads, lads getting the tax l- lads getting paid. So they've they've signed the contract, they get the first wage bill, and they've come up to me, yo yo, Sherlock, what's the crack here? And I'm like, What do you mean? Well, and I'm making these figures up now, but I should be getting four grand a month. Right? Well, if not. I've only got like three three thousand one hundred. Like, yeah. yeah, let me see your let me see you, your pacelet. Yeah, yeah, that's your tax, mate. Whoa, whoa. What's the tax for? I'm like, well, it goes to government and it like pays for like your NHS and it pays for this and it pays for that. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to use any of those services. How do I opt out of it? Like, no, no, no. There ain't no opting in and out. Like, that's what happens in the war. Nah I, didn't, nah, I didn't sign up. And they would have stand-up rows with me, like it was the club taking the money off of. them. Yeah, oh, you do. <laughs> Like, yeah, and it, I don't, by no means do I say this, you know, derogatory in any way, but, like, those little simple things, those, like, from when you're moving over, are, like, huge. Then put that into someone who then transitions out of sport or develops out of sport and goes to do another and sets up their own business and then has to do their own tax return. And whoa, like now we're in a world of poverty. Do you know what I mean? But luckily, like you say, you know, things are moving on. I think Rugby League Cares do a lot now, particularly for the Rugby League lads um, around that. And the likes of, you've mentioned him already, the likes of Gil... Have learned from their experiences and know what help players need, and they're now going into doing things for after their playing careers that will help with that kind of financial planning, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, yes, it is getting better. Um, but I think, like you said, there the the softer skills are still forgotten about. Like they need to be able to manage money, yeah. They also know how to need to get up at eight o'clock when they don't have to get up at eight o'clock. But if they get up at eight o'clock, they can structure the day. They can live a more fulfilled life than actually going, I don't know what I want to do and
0: Yeah, just getting up and going out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: And just just getting on with life as opposed to actually living it and thriving in it. But yeah,
0: I get off my soapbox. Because it it, no, it, no, it really- is
1: one that that is
0: yeah. We definitely overlook think- it, mate. I wouldn't like so I get the I get the car stuff and I get like you know when you said the the fans ripped them off in the middle of the run corner. what he wasn't shy of having a pint and that was he. Yeah. So he was always it. gonna get on. But not everyone's like what's are they? Yeah. So like and especially if say you're a top floor flat and like it might be no one living next door or whatever. Like telly's different channels, whatever, then like you don't know where your boiler is, for instance, or whatever, because you don't know whether you have pre-set it up. Because you'll have a lot going on, mate. You know, you've got like a team bonding thing going on. There'll be more than what's coming in getting signed. You're probably talking to players throughout the year, not just in the transfer window sort of area. Yeah. Like, yeah. So it is, it's it's stuffed it. I think other fans will feel the same. I wouldn't have thought I'd attack stuff and that, but I definitely no. thought about the shopping and stuff after what I've heard about you. It's
1: yeah, it's my. It's like even down to, you know, we've had we had players um, that were coming over that we like you say we're in the like coming to the end of one year and you knew they were coming the next year. They were big names. They were from ours. So to my head, they've they've got accustomed to a certain standard of living. So when they come over to witness, well, we need not necessarily. It's not our duty to keep their standard of living, but it's their, you know, it's our duty to make them feel comfortable. So that means that when they come, the house is here, it's ready, it's clean, it's sorted. So I would like regularly be going, viewing houses and like WhatsApp, you know, taking videos and sending them and then fitting it with furniture and doing it on a shoestring to make sure that came in the club's budget. But at the same time, that player would come over to a sofa, a telly that had sky so that he could watch the Aussie games, internet, you know, like little things. And then like, even now, things have moved on a lot, I know. But particularly when I first started doing it, it was like, it was a real, oh my God, you're thinking about doing that for him? Why would you, you know, he's a grown man, you know? And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, but... It means a lot for the buy in then to the club and to like the group, if he feels yeah. like people have already got his back when he when he first arrives. Um happy oh, players are better player than any other. hundred hundred yeah. percent. But and and on the flip side, you know, that that's the like the the soft side. You've also got lads, as men, as human beings, we all do, some of us struggle mentally anyway. Then get thrust into a a foreign country on your own, and I can remember one with with one player who um his his wife wasn't living in the country, and I was driving home. <clears throat> I'd had some meeting in Leeds, and while I was in the meeting, my phone was going off constantly, <clears throat> and I was like it was his girlfriend who I'd never really spoken to, yeah. Hey, you you all right, what's up? You need to get around, I'm worried about him. He's acting weird and he's, you know, he's now not answering my calls, he's just been shouting down the phone at me, I'm really worried about him and, you know, I had to then tail it back from witness, uh, back from Leeds to, to witness, kick this lad's door down yeah. to get in and sleep on his floor all night with him and no one will ever know who it was. No one will, no one ever has to know who it was. I know, and he knows, and I know that it helped him massively. But at the same time, there are so many other players like that. And if you don't have that relationship by going around, it wasn't the same player, but going fitting his house out and seeing his wife and taking the kids to school occasionally, she doesn't ever feel comfortable enough to make that phone call to me. And then who knows what happens that night? Do you know what I mean? So, for all it did feel, you know, to some people like I was spoon feeding and hand holding. To me, I always had the trust of every player in, in you know, that in my care. And I valued that as though they were my own children. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there was there was well, there's one famous incident, if you ever get the right group of players together about a night out when they went to Liverpool, that I got called in and there was all sorts of conversations wow. having to be had with all sorts of different people. But yeah. again, those conversations only come if they trust you. And so for all at the time, it's like, oh, my God, what have they done now? I actually feel quite honoured and quite appreciate, like, appreciate the fact that even though I wasn't a player, I wasn't yeah. in the playing group and often that, you know, what's we keep everything away from the coaches. They don't need to know because if we'll get in trouble. I was always I was sat in between that and that's something that I, I loved back to, you know, helping people out and problem solving. But that you only develop that trust by going that extra mile for people sometimes, don't you?
0: Could you not have done it further away, shitting on your own doorstep. <laughs> uh, mate, trust me. Trust me. They got told.
1: <laughs> they got told after they got told after, but yeah, but I mean, and it's priceless for Yeah. And there's, you know, there's a lot of, of, you know, it happens to all other clubs and there's people that fix things and tidy it up and all that jazz. And I'm not saying I'm special in that sense. What I'm saying is that I felt I was in a special position in that I sat in between the two because that, level of trust knowing that someone else because as much as I was doing that for them I also knew that if I needed a you know a Holton Hornets ring us last minute because they need a presentation I know I can pick up the phone and go mate I know you you got a day off today but I just need you to just call down to the Hornets and they do it at a drop of a hat because that was the the relationship we had and that you know that that's what that's what I buzzed off
0: Brilliant, mate. And like I said, we'll touch on a little bit more later. But as, as, so as you're going through school, mate, and, and football and Liverpool, are, are you passionate at this point, aren't they? What's football like as a team sport? Is it clicky? Is it quite open? Because rugby, I felt rugby, both courts for me, but more rugby league was very open and non-judgmental. and We tend to be from council estates, really, don't we? And we all got similar... Upbringings. How did you find that environment growing up playing football?
1: Yeah, exactly the same, to be fair. And I think that's probably why kind of when I got a, a, a foot in the door of the rugby league, it, it was like seamless for me because the two <clears throat> sports were very similar to me in that sense. You you turned up at training, whether you, you'd been there, you know, three years or you'd been there a week. You had the piss ripped out of you. You got on, you played and then... You went home and turned up next week, and it and you know no one cared where you where you went home to you just you just as long as you were here you you're part of the group and we'll rip the piss out of you and that and that was the same within rugby league um it, it yeah, I was never um I only ever really played at town level football I was never ever you know decent enough to kick on, so I don't know you know, up the yeah. the standard what whether that changes. Um but even like to this day, if I if I do go out and around in St. Helens, there'll be lads that I've either played with or played against that you still see and still go up and say hello. And it's yeah. you know, do you remember when you kick lumps out of, out of my shins that I'm down <laughs> in night Yeah, well I've still got the scar to to prove it. But yeah, yeah, and so and like you say, that I love. I they like they were the best days, yeah. growing up. Like just doing that, and and then picking on the older, you know, like st- sitting on the sidelines, waiting to train, and giving it the older lads and. Mm having them chase you off the, the back of the playing field because they're about to kick your head in and all that, chat like, you were probably yeah.
0: quick. I couldn't afford to do that. I was a little chub, mate. <laughs>
1: well, yeah, I, I was quick until I remember one, we played one, uh, one footy game and I stupidly thought that being on the field meant that I was completely protected from the opposition's coach, who I gave a mouthful to. And at the end of the game, he wheeled, he drove his white van onto the car park, blocked the car park from me running off, and opened his door, and said to these six lads that he had uh, just played against me, yeah. right lads, go and teach him what not to say to me." It's like, oh
2: shit! Uh, there's my lesson <laughs> learned. Uh,
0: so when when you start playing rugby league, then mate, and you've gone from you're still semi and novice, aren't you? You've just been recognised for raw talent, positional wise. Was was centre where you come you come through at or did you was you versatile?
1: No, to be fair it was I was versatile, but I was a, a winger, a centre, or a fullback. That that's they were the standard the three positions. Um I played with a guy a lad called Liam Williams at St Helens when I came through, uh, Scouse was his nickname, because he was a Scouser, believe it or not. Um, and he was always <laughs> he was always the first choice full back because he was he was lightning lightning on his feet and twinkle toes and um, so he was always first choice there so I was either on the wing or in the centre. I think the day Chef Walker handed it to me, they realised I wasn't the biggest to go up against <laughs> him. But yeah um but I always as as every player does I had a thriving to be in the halves and playing the halves but you know I had the likes of Stephen Myler which I ain't
0: gonna get a shirt over him there. No. So, yeah, back back to the old talent and knowing your knowing your role. Yeah, well, there's no wrong with that, mate. Is then nothing wrong That's with it. that. So, as a kid, mate, in them three positions, which is did you ever see the game differently? Did you find avid ways of attacking when to pick you? So, imagine it in a line from full-back is very different from center and wing, isn't it, mate? So, how did you find each role?
1: Yeah, so I uh, sent this the, the full-back and winger kind of hitting the line, ball retreat, you know, very similar. I always, um, I, I actually preferred playing in the centre because I preferred defending in the centre. I think defending in the centre, for me, certainly, was easier than defending on the wing. And I know, you know, so many people that probably haven't played the game that much think, well, You've only got one man to mark, really, You're your winger. You've not got anything else to pay attention to, but knowing when to jam, when to stay out, when to keep the width of the line, when to jam the line in, when to retreat for a kick, or whether you should be staying in the line in case they throw the ball wide, all of that is, you know, particularly to a lad who, as we've said, hadn't played amateur. So, yeah. you know, well, it's dead easy. You're on the wing, so on fifth tackle you drop back. Right, well, I'll, I'll drop back, and I can remember because they did it, and it this burns me to the day, and I have told him he, he did this to me. Um, Phil Clark, it was so when I was coming through, they used to do, they used to put a, a academy game on Sky every week, right, and we played at Castleford, and you drop back on fifth tackle, don't you? So yeah. I drop back on fifth tackle, first first play of the game, it was first set of the game. And cast through the ball wide and they scored a try down my side because i dropped back. Because before the game, everyone had been telling me they'll kick the 40-20. They're really good at kicking 40 20. That cast field quite short, they'll kick a 40-20. Beware of that. If you get a 40-20 against you, like you've had a nightmare today. So I went back, they're not getting this 40 20. Threw the ball wide, scored. Brilliant. Phil Clark on the commentary. Oh Dreadful decision there to drop back. It's like, brilliant. Next set, I stay up because they've just thrown the ball wide on me. What do they do? Kick a 40-20. Oh, and I legged it back because I was like rabbit in the headlights. And I've tried yeah. to bat this ball back into the field of play. Got myself all mixed up, like tripped up, falling over. I've ended up knocking the ball out of play because I'm that like, Mortified Phil Clark yeah. commentary, he's having a nightmare. This kid on the wing, right after the after <laughs> like when I watched it back, on all my mates in school, like, Oh, yeah, you're telling us to watch you on the telly, and all the commentary is the same as you're having a nightmare. It's like, yeah, I don't know. but it emphasizes the point like that, that, that decision. Yeah. Uh, but fullback back, I love because of the freedom, yeah. Um, particularly defending and attacking. Knowing where you can slip into a line. Um when I like lucky enough, I played with Peach, David Peachy at Witness, and like the stuff I, well to be fair, I did all right. So I played with Peachy, uh Paul H. And yeah, Jules O'Neill.
2: Well, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, and and Jules O'Neill. And to be fair, I think Matt, For all I had an amateur background, I got a huge, massive amount of learning in those couple of years off them three. Because oh, and Sprogger. To be fair, I was going to say Um, the player Sprogger and and Sprogger. So I didn't play with Sprogger. Sprogger was actually on the coaching staff when I when I was in the first team. So like, yeah, my the wealth of knowledge of what to learn. So I, I I like fullback was my position that I loved. Um. I think if I'd have ever progressed and got old and grey, playing, I'd have moved into the centre and been quite content there.
0: Right. And so you're talking about like the the errors there, which it's. I'd class that as a forced error though, because the forty-twenty's gonna gonna make it anyway, and it makes you so you yeah. tried anything to not right. How do you? How did you used to go about as a young lad? not backing an error up with an error, could you leave an error behind or would it stay with you for a bit?
1: No, when I first started, no, I couldn't. I couldn't. It would just play and play and play in my head, which was that fear factor. And so I always, initially, when I started playing, played under fear. Um, And I think to some of that extent, because John Marlow had such high standards, and, and and like he was ahead of his game in terms of academy setup because everything was static. You'd get the stats after the game and, and see. And I got wrapped up in that until one day when he, he basically said, ultimately, this is a piece of paper. And this piece of paper is just here to help you get better. What I'm bothered about is how you're playing on the field, and I want you to enjoy it. And once i would kind of got that green light off the man that I was fearing letting down, it was fine then. And I could let it go and I could just put it back to, because I never like particularly playing football I made an error, I made an error because I knew I'd, I'd back it up two minutes later by doing something. You know what I mean? It was, I, but I think it was because I hadn't had that grounding in rugby league. I was still learning every time I played and so in my head, well, yeah, I've made that error, but I didn't know, or I've never done that before. Or, but yeah. that doesn't matter when you've got 12 blokes that want to win the game and you've just turned the ball over. And that bit, that like... I mean, you're linking it all in. like I'm linking it all in here to like that people pleasing and keeping everyone happy. Like I wanted my team to be happy and I'm letting them down. Yeah, But it did take some time to just realise, well, actually, I'm going to let them down more often if I'm playing... Under fear, and you've got to let it go, and you've got to just accept that they will, you know, accidents happen and mistakes happen. And, you know, young lads now, when you watch the game, a fella will get man of the match. But in the first two minutes of the game, he's dropped a howler and they've scored a try fit. it. But then what he's done for the rest of the game has meant he's got man of the match. So, they, you know, it happens. We're human, and it's how you respond to it, isn't it? But...
0: So it's just when you were reassured that it weren't a up a stick to beat yourself with really want it mate you, would, you were all out of an yeah. yeah yeah and it,
1: you have to have standards don't you so yeah. you know as a winger you should not miss a tackle you know was was often said like you shouldn't because you know you don't get to make many tackles in a game really yeah. so you shouldn't ever miss you know in, in, in comparison to a, a middle unit player who is making however many tackles a game we can we can let him make two or three have two or three misses and whatever you shouldn't you've got to keep so if you missed in that fit or particularly if I missed early on in the game I'd be like fuck what's he gonna say to me in that video session tomorrow instead of going mate you've got 50 minutes of the game left like,
2: right deal
1: deal me. with that deal with your miss tomorrow when you've told told everyone else you've scored that trick you know what I mean yeah. that, that one miss won't matter and it's just kind of reframing it, isn't it, so that you don't get
0: beat up by it. Plus the exposure out on the flank's a bit more obvious, isn't it, than in the middle? Because you've got like yeah. six blocks around you virtually gang tackling, haven't you? Where if you miss if you miss one when you've jammed in or you miss one when you're like you you two on two and that, you're exposed on the flank, aren't you?
1: Yeah, I always compare it to like the goalkeeper in, in the footy game. Yeah. Like it. Centre-forward gives the ball away. No-one bats an eyelid. Goalkeeper gives the ball away on his goal line. It's a howler. And it it's yeah. the same with a full-back and a winger in it. Like, But that's the nature of the beast. Like We all sign up to play the same game and that, that just comes with that role. At the same time, those middle units are having to blow out the backside for 40, 50 minutes a game making however many tackles and then have to carry the ball. From, you know what I mean? So, there's, there's pros and cons for every position. It's just that's the responsibility of playing that in that position.
0: Yeah, the bread and butter stuff. So, was was union ever an appeal to you, mate, as you got a little bit for, older? No. No, no, not at all. So, we uh, when I went to uni,
1: actually, there was a... Because I went to uni at Loughborough. So, like, yeah. there were a lot of, like, top, top rugby union players. I um, actually played, so in my year at Loughborough was Rodri Jones, who's now, what is he now, Chief Commercial Officer within the Rugby League. Um, yeah. But they were top, top Rugby Union players and they said, uh, come with us this weekend. There's a sevens tournament. Come and play sevens. Mate, I got sent off in all three games I played in for giving lip to the ref because oh, yeah. I just didn't get the rules yeah. It was like, I was tackling people and he was giving a penalty against me. And I'm like, what do you want me to do? And they're like, yeah, let go of him. Tackle him and let go of him. I'm like, yeah, but he can just it's get up with like, yeah. me. And then I was like grabbing at the ball. And I basically got set off for having tantrums because I just yeah. couldn't. But again, because I was completely naive thinking, yeah, played a ton of rugby league I'm like do you know I'm signed a witness yeah I'll come and I'll I'll walk on water didn't have a clue it's like <laughs> I'd never seen a round ball so yeah. yeah so I enjoy watching enjoy watching particularly the, the international stuff but it was never <laughs>
0: never in the cards for the <laughs> so do you know when you played the uh, student rep stuff how, how does it go about knowing eligibility how does selection happen and talk us through how the tour was when you went down under, mate. Uh,
1: so we, uh, the, the selection, basically, you have to have played, uh, it's not that long ago now, but you had to have played in a certain percentage of student games, like uh, in the, you know, normal, like, university league games, yeah. to then be allowed to, like, try out. Um, so I had to get permission off John, basically, in the club, to be able to play. The very bare minimum of games to get to get me through. Now, as it was, and this is like for me the power of particularly rugby league more than anything. So my first day, I actually tell a fib because I was st- I must have still been at St. Ellen's when I first arrived at uni. They must have let me go just after me starting back at uni because I turned up in my, in tracky, We'd played in a game, and I'd come straight from the game to go to dropped my gear off at uni for the first time. And the guy that was issuing everyone in went, don't often see one of them badges. What's your story? So I was like, oh well, actually play rugby league, play for St Helens. I've just come forget game. he was like, I'm part of the, the rugby league here. We've never won the champ, we've never won the league. Come down. We we train on a Thursday night. Come down and do some coaching with us. So straight away as a young kid turning up at uni all on my own I had a, a family straight away because
2: I walked broke, in it? Yeah.
1: yeah but like bear in mind and I'm like I was walking into these students who were then going oh my god he's here there's that lad from St. Talent going point. into us." <laughs> so I was like yeah walking in like 10 men from a lad that really hadn't got any credibility I want to say with at home within the Saints team because I'd never played the amateur game, so I hadn't gotten you know built my reputation up. I was then yeah. suddenly like 10 men. It was, it was, it was class. Yeah. So I got involved then. Then they said, well, you know, they're going on tour to us next year. We've not won a game. Would you ever put a shirt on and just play with us? So I asked John. John obviously said, look, in and around when I can let you play, we'll let you play and we'll see if we can go. So I did that. As it was then, as I say, like Matty Blaymire was doing it, and at the time, I think he was at Leeds, Leeds. I want to say, but there was Jermaine Coleman, Richie Barnett. There was a, a Hull. They were they were all dotting around, and they were all that we were all then meeting up at these games, stood on the sideline, going, "Are you going to play any games to try and get on this Oz tour?" They were like, "Well, yeah, <laughs> I will if you will." "Well, I, will, yeah. I will, yeah, let's do it. It'll be a good crack. So, so we did it. Um, Went away with um, uh, Lee Addison and Vinnie Webb. They were they were leading it, and mate, it was an unreal experience. We went, we were there for a month. Uh, did like the Gold Coast Townsville? Um, it it was just it was just incredible. We played three tests. I think we played six games in all. But just being away with it, like you'll know, kind of just any rugby tour, it bonds you, Done it? And particularly, like we've just said, really, when Australians come here, the culture shock, us as students going away to Oz, playing, and I, um, I actually ruptured the ligament to my ankle um, while we were there, strapped it, and played in the final game, and got man of the match, and it, 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 like, even to, like, goosebump moments now, like, even to this day, thinking back, it was mega, and yes, it was only, only student rugby, but it was like, it was, it was, on it was in, un, incredible, it was, it was really good, really enjoyed it, and that, again, what that taught me, because then, I actually went, uh, back to Oz, in the world cup with scotland um within i was actually deemed as like kit man but it was just to get me on the, the flight steamer cormac played an absolute blinder to get me there but <laughs> we visited a lot of the places that we'd visited when i was there as a student so yeah. i was doing very much the role for in the scotland camp as i was the witness camp and suddenly i had like oh i know where we can go if we want to do this with the lads i know where we can go and if so it just it was one of those things, you know, where the universe helps you sometimes because yeah. I hadn't done a lot with the Scottish camp. And then next minute they're like, Fucking hell, how good Sherlock? Like we've got this problem. And he's just gone and solved it down the road by some <laughs> and it was just yeah. I'm like, Oh my god, I've know I've been here before. And i and it it's mad.
0: And it was class being back as well, mate, was not it? And just oh.
1: yeah. mate, you walk it like the, so we went um Trying to think. I think is it Surface Paradise, Kuji, Kuji Bay is, and we stayed in the hotel that was next to this nightclub. And now compare this to like even in Liverpool, if it, if St. Helens went and stayed in a hotel in Liverpool and there was a nightclub next door. You wouldn't ever have someone coming up to you going, lads, like be careful because if you go next door, the Paps will be outside, like because no one would have a clue. Mate, no. we turned up at this hotel, the Scottish Camp, and they were like, "Don't, don't. It's not even worth stepping foot in that in that nightclub." Well, nature well, of the no beast, included, <laughs> nature of the beast, yeah, nature yeah. Of the beast. Some do, and they're on the front, you know, they're on the, like the back page of the paper the next morning. Scottish players seen out and you're like, what is going on? They were like, it was like you were, you were a premiership footballer, no matter what level, you know, which country you were playing for, whether they'd heard of you or they've not, you're playing international rugby league, you are treated like, yeah, it's it's unreal. It's unreal. It's, It's brilliant.
0: Well, so before all this happens, mate, you're exposed to a professional outfits academy, aren't you, at Saints, mate? How was that experience, and, and was you okay when it come to an end? Because you were pretty honest before, and you said I probably wasn't ready for for anything more yeah. in the opening. So how was that? Was it a good, like, breeding ground for you, mate? Oh,
1: yeah. It taught me a lot very quickly, yeah. and it taught me a lot about kind of what graft was and like how hard you had to work just to keep up. So, it, you know, and and there the were always lads kicking on going up into first team and you were, all, you know, I particularly was often overlooked all the time. Do you know what I mean? Not in a bad way, just because I wasn't good enough. Um, and I think deep down, my gut said I wasn't good enough anyway. So when the whole contract thing was coming around, I was preparing my, myself for it. Anyway, yeah, but in the back of my mind, also always saying, Well, you've had a decent run, like, you've never played the game really, you've yeah. had a good couple of years playing here, like, just take it for what it is. Do you know what I mean? And and you know, go away to university and, and see what happens. What I didn't realize was that kind of the way I'd worked and the way I'd applied myself was then actually what appealed to John Myler hence why he then he then rang me to statement to witness do you know what I mean? So it taught me a lot but it also bedded in and withstood that you know even if you are getting overlooked if you just keep grafting at some point it'll That's it'll treat, come bed, good. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Um but I mean it was unreal. Like I was the fact that I could go training and you had a gym, you didn't have to pay for gym membership. Like not only did you have a gym but they, go, they give you a programme. They told you how to lift. And, they like, all of that and the fitness and the health side of it, I've always loved. Like, I would always be the fittest on the field. That was because I just loved it. And the fact that we had someone, we had a, a trainer there uh, called Mitt McGurn, oh, They nicknamed him Irish, and he was, like, so, like, scientific and he was... You know, coming off the field and he was giving us electrolyte drinks and he was giving us protein and he was and it was like, mate, and they're giving us this for free. Like I just (laughs) just gotta turn up and be kidding. Yeah, like it was just it was class. Um so I I loved it. And the fact that yes, I'd always been a footballer, but I'd always been to watch the Saints, I'd always gone and watched. So the fact that I was like in the inner workings of it and yeah. like I'm in the actual changing room where the lads come out and, and all of that it was just a buzz for me so I, I kind of I was okay when it was coming to an end that like I've yeah. just had a good time and I've been lucky to be here and do it and and whatever luckily I've done some good things and it, and it did like kick on but I mean I don't want that I don't want this to sound like Dave Lyon said you're not good enough and I went yeah no problem I loved it seeing a bit like it was like Sake. You know, I think it'd but be different just, if it's... you hadn't know,
0: give it your, your, your shot though, wouldn't it? If you think you dressed it yeah. on your bit and thought you have made it, I think you'd be different, too because you know you give it what you're at and you fully embraced everything that was going on. It, it only made you not even just a better player, but it definitely enhanced you as a human, didn't it, mate? You've said that. 100 oh, percent.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent, and like the the horrible horrible mornings at sherdley park in the freezing cold running up the hill and and all of that that kind of stays with you forever yeah but binds you as a group like if i ever see simo out in the middle of st helens it'll guarantee it'll be the first thing out of his mouth we're going up for a hill (laughs) run at sherdley do you know what i mean like it's funny so um, but yeah, like it does teach you a lot about just hard work, really, and I think yeah. discipline and manners and representing the the shirt and appreciating when you're given a plain shirt that actually there's a lot of other people that would have loved to have worn it, but you get to wear it. All of that stuff and that what, what we were talking before about the good times at witness. There was always that like, I'm lucky to be wearing this shirt for these people. I'm gonna go out and play. And the results didn't necessarily always go the way, but they always appreciated the fact that they were there and people were paying their harder money to go and watch them and yeah. let let's do it. And that's what that's what I like.
0: So how did you find it when you come to witness? How was the standard? Was so was the academy structured in league systems or was it more of a pool thing because it was in its infancy? No, I think it was still leaked. Yeah. When
1: I, I think it was a long way back, but it was, you know, it was leaked. It was, because we it still Was it similar played. standard then you said? Yeah, but the, I think, no, but uh, now you've said it, we it must have been, because I don't ever remember us playing the the top, top names, but we right. played like, we were playing at Bradford and a yeah. place like that. So maybe it was, maybe I mate you've got me there i don't know Sorry, yeah i like it just checking i've not got alzheimer's trying to get back in there (laughs) um what that many bangs on the head um Mm. but the standard yeah so when i first started it was obvious that the standard wasn't as high as it had been at st Helen's. like the playing standard but the standards of what we were what was expected of us were as high because it was John and it was like he doesn't care who he's coaching like I'm gonna
0: say, imagine that, if it was on it it'd be the same wouldn't it or whoever, exactly
1: yeah, yeah. The, this is just what I do if I you're playing in my team this is what I expect of you um and John in his nature because he was like that with the team he was also like that with the club so you knew he was also battling all the time to get more facilities and get because we used to play we used to train on the field and I'm rubbish with names but no opposite the club what's the, yeah, the big like, playing well, field there on Lee yeah, so Rocky we used to, yeah, yeah. yeah so we used to just train there yeah and you know having to walk the pitch before we went on it for glass the, for the and shit. stuff and yeah. yeah and dog shit so and John was always like trying to improve that and get that better and and you know, get us protein for after the game because we, you know, the money just wasn't there. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. that, and he quickly ramped that up, but there was, you know, it was in his infancy and they were trialling it, but ultimately it paid dividends. Like if you look, you know, be, many people a, have done it. Else, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you've probably heard it from many different people on here about the players that have been through that academy system and gone on. It's like unreal, isn't
0: it? Yeah. So when when that that call come, mate, after you had to worry about your exam first. What what happens in that next few days? What how do you go about your business? Do you change anything at all? Because it's obviously what you've been doing's worked, hasn't it? Well, yeah, but it's a whirlwind.
1: So like bear in mind, so I'd whenever in the pre-seasons, while I'd been away at uni, I'd come back and trained with the first team. And I'd played in a few of the, you know, like pre-season friendlies. But it was always like, you know, there were shirts with 46, 47, 48. And it was almost like one lad had come off and you'd put his shirt on and you'd run on almost because there weren't enough first team shirts for the young kids that were having a run. It was like that. And you were always in your... You know, it's it's us four that have got the nod today. So we'll just stick together in the change rooms and we'll get ready together. And then we'll, when we get thrown on, we'll just do what we have to do and, and play and love it and enjoy it. That is very different because I was coming back into this first team environment and I played at fullback, and they were like, "Right, go for it." And I can remember going on the field and going, "What? Oh, I've got to tell these fellas. Like we're to stand in a defensive line. Do you know what I mean? And when when they're running back, I've got to tell Framey which side of the ruck to go and stand on. And do they know who I am? So that learning curve like was quite steep in a few days because people had actually said in that after my first session, I remember it, I got pulled to one side and they said, Mate, you need to open your mouth. What are you doing? I'm like, Yeah, I know, but I've got Shane Millard there in the middle of the field. I don't think he knows. He needs me telling him where to go. And they were like, yeah, he does. And so there was that. And then the game itself was on Sky at Salford. Like, in that, like, it's got a real dingy changing room at Salford. Like, oh, it was. Used, like, was it the like... Yeah. You had to, yeah, you had to duck down to sit down in the willows to like to get in. Weed onion and everything, didn't it? Was, every bend, it? Yeah, yeah, and you came out, you came out like down a, a cage, cage. <laughs> onto the field, and it was like, oh my god, this is a baptism of fire. Like even preseason games, like crowds, you don't get crowds, and now I'm playing on a pitch. I've got a big screen in the corner, like what is going on, and yeah. it. But that was when I realised this is what I want. This is what I want, and this is what I'm meant to be. Because the boss mate was was like was unreal. Was the thrill of playing in front of those people? Oh, it was just mega. It was mega. It was class. Do
0: you remember much about the games there?
1: Uh, not only that, Fitzie, uh, Cal Fitzpatrick scored past me. By skipping over, he came through the line and he skipped over. And I got round him, round him, and he just managed to get over the line. And he's never ever let me live it down. Um <laughs> that's about it, other than sounds silly, other than the raw, yeah. Um, because we we won as well, and yeah, it was the raw after the game and and like running over to the fans after the game to kind of as as we always used to do to say thanks and all that jazz like that feeling afterwards the actual game's a blur but probably because I was just panicking and chasing my tail for the whole time but, So what's yeah. it
0: like mate, when you're walking and your name's on the back of a jersey young what does that mean well, to you? Sorry well that's where I was going so pre-season yeah. when I was saying
1: about 46, 47 yeah, yeah. seeing your name on a shirt with a squad number you know like, like that's, that's my sure. number yeah yeah, it's, and it was, it was 33. It, like, that's how, you know, they were scraping the barrel. They must have been really struggling. If they did 33 and they still needed to ring me, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they were scraping. But it was the fact that no one else is having that. No one else has got that number this year. No one else yeah. is going to have it. And even sounds silly. So then um a couple of years after, obviously, you, you would always expect to move up in squad numbers. When other lads came and played in a, in that 33, in the back of my head, I was like, my shirt, that. Yeah,
0: like, do, do, it you, do you realise what,
1: yeah, yeah. what number you're putting on your back? And it's stupid, isn't it? Stupidly, it was 33. But it was the shirt that I'd made my debut in, my pro debut in, and it was like, yeah, it? like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, I've got any any of the shirts I got given, I've kept bar my very first uh St. Helen's shirt, which I actually buried with my grandpa because he was a massive Saint uh massive Saint supporter. And when I got signed, there, he was he loved it. So I buried that with him. And uh, but other than that, yeah, I've got more Oh yeah, that's and my missus goes mad because like they're just in a box in the top of the garage. You know what I mean? Like collected you've got really.
2: yeah
1: yeah but I've never parted them because that's the, that's the it's kind of the medal in it that shows that yeah it was worth it's it the memories uh, mate they 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 kickstart memories don't they well yeah and, and so you know what when we were going before about the little things and the little efforts with first team players so I would always make a big thing with first team players about uh if they made 100 games, if they made 200 games, if it was uh, you know, whatever it was that they should keep their shirt and I battled for many, many years to get it So the point that I had to be running here, there and everywhere the day before games even on the morning of some games to just try and get a little bit of embroidery on a shirt and people within the club were like, what are you, like do you know how much a first team shirt is? Like you can't just be doing giving out like ten, twelve shirts, a, a, you know, a year just because that player's made so many games. I'm like, but you don't understand unless you've done it and played in it and got that. Like, you don't understand what that means to a player to then be able to keep that shirt. And so I would always like even to the point that I like, go into my own pocket to pay for things and pay for shirts because. I've done it. Making sure that player had that experience. If he's played 200, you know, professional games within the modern right? era, yeah. it's mega, and that should yeah. be rewarded. And the fact that he'll walk away with that shirt sounds silly to some, but I know to the player would mean a lot. So yeah, yeah. no, nah, I don't but
0: know. That, you that, know, that the what That's what I'll be doing. I'll be doing like keeping stuff and that. So it's nice yeah. to wear it. So how did that year go then, mate? After that debut, so that year was pretty good. Yeah. Like I love that year,
1: like to the in the sense of, so when I say it was pretty good, we um we had to fight to stay up into Super League, and there was a game at uh at Witness against Huddersfield, and in the last minute of the game, I attacked. I think it was St. Hilaire, I want to say, right in the corner. And it was like a do or die, last-ditch tackle to to save it. Had he saved, had he scored that, they'd have won the game and that would have put us into the drop. So I'd felt like I'd contributed, do you know what I mean? I'd, I'd, I'd massively made an impact on that. Um, then the last game of the season... We play. I can't. Do you know how bad this is? I can't remember who we played, but um, it was up between us and Cass as to who was going to go down, and they did right. it via they, they showed our game on the telly, but they had the Cass game playing on the big screen at the ground, so we were playing in the match and seeing every time that Cass scored on the big yeah, screen. I love
2: that. Yeah,
1: what well, it was it, it? Was but it was exciting. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was, it was, and then so obviously, we. The results we won, the results went our way, cast lost, or whatever. We stayed up that that was like mate, it was like we'd won the league. It was epic. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Um and so that was like the first year to do it. It was like, oh my god, this is what it's like to be a pro player. This is mega. And then we went away on Mad Monday to Dublin and got stuck in Dublin and oh mate, yeah.
0: unreal. <laughs> so the- when are teams as close as like, we like to think they are mate so I know we've touched on them roles that you've had that the roles you've done are key in pulling that unit together but are, are teams as, as close as we want to think they are some are yeah. some are um, on the flip
1: side some aren't yeah. um, and the you've year you've seen both, then,
2: mate.
1: yeah yeah I've seen both so that first year First year when I came in, it was like the, every, every player in that changing room would have died for each other, like on and off yeah. the field. Fast forward that, maybe one or two years, and there was definite then divides coming. And you can probably mirror that to like the way results went and the way the club went a little bit. Um, I don't, you know, I, I'm not saying it was anyone's fault, coach, owner players you know but there was a divide yeah. you know everyone can play a game with each other but off the field the bitching and the moaning behind people's backs etc but i mean there's many examples in sport aren't there of teams that have been like that and then could still produce it on the field but at witness it just it, I, I think that was some of it um but w- there was no doubt when the team was in it together, even when the results were going badly. Like we said before we started this, like the best times for me at Witness were when that camp was gelled. Results did what results did, but everyone knew we were all working our balls off to win yeah. every week, and just that being in that together was is like yeah, it's gold. Because you know when you're in it, because yeah. you also know how bad it is when you're not. Do you know what I mean? And you can't yeah. ever. You just wish you could bottle it, and it and it's personalities and it? it's getting the right personalities in the room that blend together and and that meet on common ground, etc. And takes work. Like, um, one of the best people I've I've seen for it was uh, Chris Houston in more recent years because it was so important to him that that changing room was together and he put so much effort in, a, like away from the club to bring the lads together organise barbecue so there was him, there was Hep there was Graf there was uh, Charles, Charles Runciman uh, Jack Buchanan you know they would all make that big thing of you know we're a family here many of us have come from Australia and haven't got our extended family so you are our extended family and let's let's be in this together and though you know they were the they're the memories do you know what I mean They're they're the when you know you've got that good group that good core
0: so what what was the early retirement about mate how did that come about and was it a game injury was it a training injury it
1: was game injury um, game injury played in a uh, Mike Gregory testimonial game uh, in the Mike Gregory testimonial game and was dropped on my head basically or the tackle ended up with me going on my head um, but I I would always get whacked around the head I, was all, I would forever you know take a high shot I think it was the way I, I went into collision I would always be quite upright so I would always take a high shot And it worked in my favour many times because I would often get penalties for the team because of it, do you know what I mean? But anyway, this one tackle dropped on my head, came up fuzzy, felt groggy, but it was like any other tackle. Um, Played the game, finished the game. Um, The next day at training, I had to get a lift into training because I couldn't drive because I just didn't feel right. So I got a lift into training. Thinking it'll it'll wear off, it'll shrug off. Did a we did a like a stretching thing on the pitch. Still hadn't gone. Went into the change room afterwards. Said to the team doc, mate, something isn't right. Can you just give me a check over? Within ten minutes, he had me on a spinal board, strapped up, straight to sent to the hospital uh, with a suspected fractured neck, broken neck. Now. The story actually gets even more bandangled in the sense that they got me to the hospital, x-rayed me and said, yeah, you're fine. No problem. Actually, we don't know what's up, but you're fine to go home. So I went home. And at half past six the following morning, my phone was ringing off the hook with the hospital, saying, "Uh, sorry, sir, we'd actually mixed up your x-rays the neck is fractured. You need to get safely back to hospital, ASAP. Um, so that was that. So yeah, I, I had eventually broken my neck. It yeah. was confirmed and that was the problem. But um, the actual break wasn't the issue. The issue that uh, damaged uh, the vertebral artery and several nerves in my arm. And they, they basically put it down to, um, you know, like if you've got an elastic band, and you stretch it, but you overstretch it and it doesn't actually ever recoil and go back to the shape. You know, layman's terms, that's what I'd done to all the arteries in my neck. Um, So they advised that I stop playing. Now, I didn't. I, I said I wanted to get back fit. So I trained then. The club luckily said, "Well, all right, we'll give you the chance to do it. So I trained. It was about seven or eight months of rehab Um, and it was a lot because because of the nerve damage I'd lost my vestibular system which is like the balance system in your body so I couldn't balance I couldn't um, when it first kicked off and all the lads used to laugh at me I couldn't like sit on the front seat of a team bus in the rain because the wipers of the bus would just send me all over the place like dizzy and awful but at the same if I took a bang or whack or anything, and I mean, if I was stood up and someone shoved me, my body couldn't recalibrate itself. So in order to get fit, I've obviously got to get whacked, haven't I, to to get to train it? So the only way to do that at the time, Barry and Tez were actually injured when I was injured. And I can remember to this, and if you ask them, like Tez will talk about this, the session was basically here's the ball, Sherlock. Run five yards into Tez and Baz. You are on shields, and let's see how you do. Yeah. And everyone was like a um, car crash that I wouldn't, I couldn't get up. I'd be on the deck. It would take me ages to get up, and I'd be like, Right, I've just got to go again. We've just got to get this. I've just got to kick start. So it was a long road. Anyway, got back fit, got back to, you know, ready to go, Uh, and they they played me in uh, two academy games to get my fitness back up and under twenty ones it was at the time. Um, Played at Hull KR, I want to say. Played in the centre. So, as I was saying, when I get grey and old, I'd I'd have moved out to the centre. Didn't like came on in second half for the last ten minutes. Basically, let's drop him in slow. We're not hundred percent sure he's going to be okay. Let's just drip him in and play. Did okay. Uh, Actually, I think I came on and I think we ended up winning the game. And I put you know put them through to score for the for the two tries. I was like walked off buzzing like yeah. See. First team, of are dropping down 21. It's not played in nine months. <laughs> Look at me. Following week, went to Halifax and I started the game at fullback. And I can remember this bit clear as day. We uh, kicked the ball last tackle and I chased the ball. Their fullback caught it and I tackled him. And someone came in, second man, and hit the back of my head. And as he hit my head, everything went. And I fucking, I knew it yeah so it I've gone down, and at this point I know i've I've retreated now and I've watched this back several times. It took me the full set to get back so you, you can tell how groggy I was they've then kicked the ball up on the last tackle, and I'm stood like this ready to catch it, and the balls bounced twenty thirty forty meters away from me. Like, just nowhere near me. Like, not not like I've miscaught it. Like, yeah. I they've kicked the ball from there 40. I'm stood on our 20-meter line. Like, it's not even like a drop. It's nowhere near. So, I've then run over to grab the ball. And as it's bouncing around, I've grabbed it. And I've just kept running. And I've run off the field, off the touchline, and collapsed off the touchline. And at that point, like we knew it was it was game over, and from there, then I was actually and what I'd done was flared everything up again with the nerves and the artery and etc cetera, etc, cetera. and was then in hospital for six weeks and lost about about four stone and um, was being ferried by ambulance to London and back to try and get. The right doctors to to get me sorted, um, and talking to people at the time, like there were several people that said because the team actually came to visit me in the hospital yeah. uh, as a group, and apparently many of them had walked out, going that potentially could be the last time we've seen him. And I know that sounds really, but because I'd lost so much weight so quickly, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't really function. They were like that. That could be show up, like, um, mm-hmm. and so then that was that was
0: the end of that one. Retirement came. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't mind yeah. me asking, mate? It's just a few things. So, was it a bit easier to accept, like we said before, because you give it everything you, you'd, you'd have, you've done everything right, you've been meticulous, you've been patient. Yeah. Run two of the biggest players the club had at the time, several times. T- might have took your time, but you've got up and had another go. Was it a little bit easier to accept, or still difficult?
1: I think, um, yeah, I think you you're right in the sense of I couldn't really argue. Do you know what I mean? At like at that point, like I knew that they'd said give up first time, and I hadn't, and then you had you know, yeah, like you say, I'd given it everything. I still, and still to this day, feel it, you know, it wasn't on my terms. I didn't choose to, Some like I had to. um, yeah. And that that's the bit, like, you've probably noticed from the way I talk and the stories you've heard of me. I'm quite, I like to be in control. I like, I like to have everything right. I like to have mis- the fact that I couldn't, at least when I was playing, I may not have been picked every week. I knew I was kind of it was in my control still to get better and to get picked. Now I had no chance,
2: yeah.
1: and it wasn't me saying I give up. It was because people were basically saying you can't come over this white line to play the game anymore because you're not well enough. Yeah. And it it was yeah it was it 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 was hid it, it was hideous. It was it, it really was hideous. and again because of the the whole identity stuff like we've like we were saying before about school, like sport was my safe place. And I can't do it. Like I can't. So who am I? Who are my mates now? Who what am I gonna do?
0: Watching Monday to Friday and yeah.
1: Yeah, like yeah. um yeah, like when you walk in a room, no one's going to want to talk to me anymore because I used to walk in a room and everyone say, oh, it's Tim that plays a Witness. Now it's, for a first bit, it was T- he, Tim, you know, a lad that had to retire with his neck. It was even worse. Like, people now knew me because of an injury, like, it, it
0: yeah. No, i so, like, well, yeah, I get it, mate, I do get it. Not to that extent cause I'm all an amateur and that, but yeah, you you. Your world, like it only takes a second for your world to go upside down, does not it?
1: Yeah. But yeah. you say I was like not to your extent because I was only an amateur. Like that for me, it's no different. Yeah. You loved playing as much as I love playing. Granted, yeah. I got paid for it and you maybe didn't, but you still love doing it. And now yeah. you suddenly can't do it because you got hurt. It, yeah. it's I'm the, not like I think it, yeah. the, that's it so I think that initial gut feeling of the realisation of not being able to do it it's the, uh, like a, the, it's the same we yeah. all have that passion to play that's why we play it do you know what I mean? you, you know, if you wrote it down on a piece of paper of what the sport is going flying around into a man that wants to hurt you No, one want to do it would they but we do it because we love it and that's the, it yeah
0: and yeah, i do it again yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So and and obviously, mate, because of how unwell you was after it, are you aware of what your mindset was? Like, are you aware of how you were behaving or coping? Or was was you coping?
1: No, I wasn't coping. No, I wasn't coping at all. Um, I the the physio at the time uh, was a girl called Becky Hodkiss. Um, she basically became like my living curer in the sense of, um, she was by the hospital bed as much as she could,
2: yeah,
1: not to do anything other than just sit and be there. Um, and then when I came out of hospital, I actually, um, so when I came out of hospital, my so bear in mind, I came out of hospital. I'm, I'm virtually bedbound. Like I hate saying this now. Like, pe- like people didn't know this. No one really knew it. So I was, I was basically bedbound. Every time I ate anything, because my vestibular system was so messed up, I, my body couldn't cope with even food coming in. So I was being sick. So I couldn't keep calories in. That. I was dizzy anyway, so I, then the lack of food was making everything worse. They couldn't, they couldn't keep get my body to accept food. Um, they couldn't, so, so I was, I was in a bad bad way. And this this sounds really bad on the and I made them go, mum and dad at the time. So I actually, so I came out of hospital and I had to move back in with mum and dad. Like there was no option. I couldn't care for myself. I couldn't. And they'd planned a once in a lifetime trip to Australia for six weeks or whatever. And I was like, go. They were like, they, my mum didn't want to go cause she didn't think when she came back, I'd, you know, she didn't know what had happened. Well, so the, the team doctor, this is unheard of. No one would ever do this. Even then, yeah. I don't even think they do, but they definitely wouldn't do it now. The team doctor, Paul Stockton actually moved me into his house and I stayed with him um for that period and I looking back now you realize yes it was to look after me but it was also because of my mental state and they didn't trust me on my own you now know that you don't see it at the time you it's just but that's what it was that 100% what it was because that was yeah it, but it's identity, and that you don't—you've lost. To me, I've lost my identity in in no time, because even when I first got hurt and I was rehabbing back, it was like the hero story of yeah, I've had this horrendous injury, but I'm going to be back playing and come and look at me. And I've
0: but still now got squadron, still got a badge on your chest, still rocking up to the same facility with the same people. Yeah, yeah
1: but now. Well, I've been telling everyone for the last seven months that, or however long, that I'm going to get back fit and play, and I've basically failed. So there's that as well on top of it. Do you know what I mean? It's it. Yeah, it was tough. It was really tough, um, and, you know, Steve McCormack uh, and Andy Haig, who were head coach and strength and conditioner there at the time, were unreal because they they just basic they, again as I'm now getting more healthy, as in come walk and talk and move around and get into the club day to day, they were like, if you can get in, you get in. We don't know what that looks like. Come in and be, you know, stand around with us as coaches, but you've effectively got months, you know, this year left on your contract. You honour your contract and you get into the club. And they weren't doing that to be horrible and say, I needed to earn my money. They were doing that to say, you're part of this group and you, you you know, Give you're in right call. to the wow. end.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. And mm-hmm. from there, that then progresses because then I'm in at the club and I'm stood around doing nothing. So then I'm going over to the community department and I'm saying like, where are you going today? Oh, I'll, I'll jump in with you this afternoon and I'll come to that school. And that then progressed. So then, the year after, when my playing contract had finished, they said, "Well, we can give you a contract in the community staff if you want to do that." And it just yeah. then snowballed and snowballed and snowballed. So I, I never actually left the team. I just then Royal bounced experience. onto all the the different roles
0: within the within the club. Which, I' mean, being honest, oh, mate, appreciate that, and I'm sorry to have put it on you. That were not obviously what I sent you, but. Yeah, no, no. Nice, mate. It's no, it's
1: it, it, it it's tough in it, and it's yeah, you know. And I think sometimes outside world supporters don't necessarily see the graft and the dedication that lads put in, and that. You know, from when I then went into the the welfare and the the strength and conditioning side of the club coach and players, that was the bit that would always grate on me. That, you know, yes, we all know that there were some players, you know, that would turn up. And I don't mean a witness. I mean, anywhere there's players that turn up and just get a paycheck and it means nothing. There's also a lot of lads that do everything they can. And sometimes it just doesn't go right for them. And then players get on there. Yeah, and speckies get on the back. And that would great because you like you don't know the damage because that lad's given everything. Yeah, he's yeah. not playing well, but you don't know what it means to him.
0: And no. uh, so yeah. you do because you've helped build that environment. And then when your career's suddenly come to an end in that fashion, that environment also caught you and helped you. Yeah, and that's what you've about before. It's about the buying, and because you've bought buying. There was your safety net, wasn't it? I know some of them That's had it. to walk away because of the they were worried or how you were, But they still turned up when you needed them most, didn't they? Hundred percent, hundred percent. So
1: yeah, I remember because that year was the year of were they in? Did we get into the the last? Was I think it was the time there was the last game? You know, to see who got up the two teams yeah. that played. Can't remember the format. And it was the big final. And I was still in hospital at this point. And they, Steve McCormack was adamant that I was at that game. So they actually got... My mum and dad came and picked me up from the hospital. Took me to the game. And I I had all sorts of wires and drips connected to me. But Steve also ensured that I had a club suit to turn up to that all the rest of the lads had. And I sat and watched the game. And then they had to take me straight back to hospital that night after the game. But he made sure I was there to watch it. And it's little efforts like that that no one else knew had gone on. No one else knew he'd done that. Steve probably had to argue with an awful lot of people to make it happen. It only happened because the club doctor at Witness also worked at the hospital I was in. So he could pull a few strings as well. And like, they didn't need to do that. Yeah. But it meant a lot to me to be there at that game with with the lads as part of it. So, yeah, like you say, like that buying and that group, that's what you you do it for because that they do it for you back.
0: Yeah, and you more than replicated that in your future endeavours within our organisation, didn't you? Yeah?
1: Well, I'd like to think so, yeah. and like even you know now to this day, if certain people ever ring me and say, "Mate, can you give us a lift with this?" I will do it one hundred percent,
0: like unequivocally, because of what people have done for me in the past. Yeah. You
2: know?
0: Yeah. So when when your time at the club comes to an end, mate, uh, was it something you were okay with? Was it something shitty? Was it Was it okay? When I finished at the club, yeah, like oh as, no, I wasn't okay with
1: no, it. No, no. Oh no, wasn't okay with it. No, yeah. that was very different. So that was very different. So. Not finishing playing was, you know, devastated, gutted. Yeah. When I left the club, it was anger. It was, yeah, no, it,
0: no, I, it just wasn't you know. the worst that you'd you'd seen and been a part of. I imagine then, mate, the change was,
1: yeah, it wasn't the 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 results had the the club trying to think of a way of putting this Now the club wasn't in the state that I believed it, it should have been in or could have been in and it certainly it wasn't certainly wasn't representing the town like I thought it could it's probably the best way of putting it um,
0: and, and how you, how you guys had as well in the recent past is not it just off what yeah. we've bought, yeah
1: yeah, and like bear in mind, like results, the the team were never like up there, and probably you know spectators were still saying, you know, it's nothing like the good old days," and mm-hmm. and you know there's that side of it, but that didn't for me, and and I think it's really important, like that. I think the rugby club within Witness is the heartbeat of the town like we were talking before about the the wits and the the partnership that they had a few years ago like if that club is is right and is beating i think everything in the town kicks on yeah. i think mood in the town morale in the town companies oh, are then companies are then wanting to sponsor the club because the club's thriving, but that actually makes the companies thrive and there's a business, you know, there's so many kick-on effects. Yeah. And that wasn't happening. And even when the team weren't at the top of Super League or were fighting to stay in Super League, whatever, that beat was still there. People were still going into work excited about talking about the game, not just going in moaning and bitching and complaining about how this had happened and they'd been ripped off by this and you see the crowd and it was just it had all just turned power oh, um and to some extent i think that, that could have been me personally as well i think that could have just been like the years and the toll and the what'd gone on that could have just when i say me like that's could just be my perception you know, if you talk to someone else, they said, Oh, maybe it wasn't that bad, you know. And it and because of that, I'd my me and my missus were both at the club at the same time. And we both were finished, let go, walked away, whatever whatever, whoever you talked yeah. to. A people different story. Yeah. Um, but we both left the club at the same time. So we were then a family that had no one in the job earning. Yeah. But I think it came at a time like we'd we'd had Frankie, we hadn't had our little boy yet, but I was realising that I'm putting every single ounce into this club. I'd I'd be in there at six o'clock, be working through till eight, half eight at night. I'd be coming home then taking calls all night. It was lived and breathed it, not going on holidays, not doing all of this. But I'm missing out now. I've got a little girl. This could be my time to step away now. This, you know, life could be we're at that junction, and the way this has gone and the way I'm feeling about it, it could be the right time to, to step away. When I did, though, I then went back into that mad depression, big way, in a big, big way, because I was Mr. Witness. I was. I was Sherlock, I walked around town and everyone would know me as, you know, being involved at the club. Yeah. Now I'm not. And it that was like, oh my God, what do I do? What yeah. do I do? Like I don't know anything else. Don't know anything else. Don't know any other work. Don't know any other sets of people. My mates from school basically accepted that I lived and breathed my job and my work. So... I didn't really have a social network going out with them. It was like, oh my god, like well. that, mad,
2: didn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um. So yeah. So th- and at that point, that was that that was difficult as well. That was a, a just to pick yourself up again. Like, but you do because that's just what sports taught you. But it it was yeah it was tough.
0: Yeah. So what what's Tim been doing since? Since that mate, what what is now? Oh my god, so much, so much, <laughs> so much from a um, factory
1: warehouse work, uh, picking and packing. To uh, I worked with worked in a non not for profit uh, company for a little bit. I what else have I done? I then more recently, what I've been doing more recently is car importing and exporting globally around the world. Um, so a whole array of things.
0: Yeah. Nothing's changed then really, but, has it?
1: No, but
0: yeah.
1: but that's it. That's always been my life. And it, you know, I've I'd set up a uh, converted my garage into a gym. And was training, you know, a few rugby lads, a few boxers, yeah. um, out of there. Um it's the 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 buzz and the banter though of being within a, a club and working with players and doing that kind of welfare piece alongside the training, just hadn't ever been found. I hadn't found that that same passion for it. Um, hence why I'm now looking at doing something along those lines, Yeah. kind of moving forward. Because like we've said, I think there's a gap there of support for people. And ultimately, it's what I'm passionate about and what I feel I can help
0: with. So that that's where we're going in the future.
1: Uh, but yeah, I've done
0: done everything and anything. and I think you'd be a credit to an organisation, mate. You can't train the skills you've had through what you've had to do. That's just not in a yeah. textbook. That's just life, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: And and it's it's kind of, it's teaching just teaching just how to be, how to live life, like how to how to be in an organization and and represent the organization. I think it's often missed. Like the so many people you hear just turn up to work to just get paid. Whereas I don't think you ever get that with anyone. And I don't mean just professional sportsmen, people that have been ingrained like you with the Wits, you know what it means to represent the wids. yeah. And you don't just do that at the Wits; That's part of who you are. So you'll go into your work and yeah. represent that work. And it, it's funny, like, there's a, so I've heard a story recently and it kind of sums it up. There's a current player and people might connect the dots, but, there's a current player playing part time who's training to be uh, an electrician, and there were on a Friday, Friday afternoon at four thirty, there was a guy stuck on a job, and all the lads basically said, "It's four thirty on a Friday. I'm not getting involved in that. Off I go." He was the the player was the one person that turned around, turned up at this, and stayed there. Like late in the night to get this lad over the line and get this job finished on a Friday afternoon, and all the big bosses are like ringing him and going, "Mate, I can't believe he did that. Oh, like, it's unbelievable effort." And his response was like, "What? What? What do you mean? He rang me because he needed help, so I've gone and helped him." But like, just, just, it. yeah. just what you're doing it, yeah. Just what you're doing it, and it's just on un- So I think bringing that out in, in sports lads to realise like any organisation would love you in there because you've got this mentality and yeah. then and and teach them how to show it really and, and thrive but basically doing the player welfare for players that aren't within a rugby club basically yeah. is in a
0: nutshell what it is no no yeah. I, I can't imagine it's not going to take off I can't because everything we do is transferable. Leadership, no. communication, body language, techniques, dealing with different characters, types of characters, shapes, sizes, everything about it all works in every walk of life.
1: Oh, it's 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 mad like so the uh, when I was talking about the car exporting so the company was a Canadian company uh that dealt a lot with Nigeria in Nigeria. But the Canadians couldn't wrap their heads around people on the phone, on the phone in Nigeria that were just saying, yeah, yeah, I'll send you money. Like whenever I'll just get it to you. They were like, no, we need paying and we need paying now, Like, don't get it. So I got on a call. I was like, this is just like talking to the lads. Like this is just what you do. So I got on and ended up giving them a bit of shit, but like in a, a jokey way, like, come on, lad, are you ever gonna like get up off your backside and go and pay that check? It built that rapport. Next minute, they're all paying bang on time. But again, because what the Canadians hadn't accepted was actually the way the Nigerians do business is slightly different, and yeah. this, you know, there were there were other loops and and ways and bits of paperwork that they needed that the Canadians just didn't think you know, oh, yeah, they're asking for that, but it's not important.
2: We've it, with going
1: it. that extra little bit and going, well, yeah, I can get you that paperwork or I can get you that extra bit of pictures or that extra bit of whatever, but can you make sure you get that money in tomorrow for me? Suddenly we've got that relationship and boom. But it was just like like you would in the changing room with a lad that doesn't want to do a community appearance. Like, it, it's exactly the same. Exactly. So right. yeah. I think it's, yeah, I do think sport ingrained a lot in you.
0: Yeah. Right, a few tough questions for you, Tiff. Go for it. So, any pre-match superstitions, mate? When you were putting the boots off? uh,
1: stop panicking, stop panicking, stop panicking. No, Um <laughs> uh, pre-match superstition. No, not not getting not getting dressed, but uh, boots had to be cleaned and wiped in a particular way before I put them in the bag to go to the, the game. And I would also have to go and find a local field, and catch and kick fifty bombs the night before again, game, every game, no matter what. Right, no,
0: yeah, it's that's mad, isn't it?
1: Daily. Had to be fifty. Had to be fifty. Had yeah. to be fifty. And, and the last ten had to be caught consecutively, perfectly, or
0: we started again. Start again. <laughs> yeah. So the, the definition in this next word makes different for everybody, but the toughest player you played with and the toughest player you played against. Toughest player
1: I've played with. Julian O'Neill, the prop. Right. Just nails. Yeah just nails I mean there's there's, there's there's many but he was just nails because the years he played and the the carnage he took on his body and he just never complained he just rocked up and did it again do you know what I mean you'd be looking at him thinking are you never going to play at the weekend and he'd just turn up and do it so that's who I've played with toughest player I've played against
2: <laughs>
1: um do you know who? Do you know what I'm gonna say? Um Martin Moana played what? played Alifax. Um as uh, coming up through the ranks, playing under 21s level and reserves level, he would often drop down because he was that always injured and whatever. And I can just remember him handing me my backside. A couple of times, you know, like I'm what this old new, man, and I'm going to teach, <laughs> and I'm going to teach you, young pups, how yeah. to do, how to play. Because I can't really be bothered being here in this game. I'm just going to do it to prove my fitness. And it, like, that, like that, that stands out. Him handing me my backside when, when we played first team. It was all they were just all hard and tough. And yeah. you know what I mean? It was just what it was. But he stood out as like,
0: oh my god. Yeah. It's on. yeah, because there weren't a limit to the older players then, mate. Was there? If they nope. had 13 first teamers coming back, they could play, couldn't they?
1: Yeah, that's it. You could just play them, and it, it it was, it really was like this season, you know, almost with the fag in his mouth like, <laughs> yeah, I'll do this and I'll do yeah. that. And you think you're clever, do you? Well, I'll teach you. It was almost like that.
0: So, your favorite away ground, mate, that you've played at St. Helens, Nosley Road. Noseley Road it's like the Overground
2: yeah
1: yeah and just yeah just for the no- nostalgia I think yeah. like um, I enjoyed playing to be fair saying that I enjoyed playing uh, the DW as well and, but I think again that's the kid in me coming out like the Saints Wigan rivalry was like oh my god I've really made it if I'm playing in the first team game here do you know what I mean I
0: think
2: yeah
1: and.
0: Um, yeah. Right, mate. Yeah. If you could go back and tell a younger Sherlock something, what would it be?
1: Well, we've touched on it. It doesn't matter. Yeah, just enjoy it, it. it. Basically, it doesn't matter. Um, Just try and play without the pressure on your shoulders. Just go and enjoy it. Like, what will be, will be. The game will finish. At the same time, whether you're panicking the whole time or you're enjoying it the whole time, so just go go and play.
0: And when you've been out with the lads and you've had a few, and the microphone ended up in your hand, what what would you give us? Oh, uh
1: oh God, there's 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 been a fair few. Um, there's a few, too too many. I couldn't I couldn't pull you one out um sex on fire was always a favorite
0: yeah get people going that i imagine mate
1: um but yes there's i've i'm i'm known as i can be a bit of a show-off when when i've had a few pints so there's there's a there's been a fair few performances in the past yes
0: (laughs) yes You've been listening to Trot the Eggin. Thanks to our sponsors, Boydell Sports. Follow us on Twitter at Trot the Egging and Instagram at Trot underscore the underscore egg underscore in. You're listening to Trot the Eggin, hosted by John Hetherington, working with Witness Rugby Union Football Club, sponsored by Boydells.